0: They told me I use my mouth good, so I started a podcast. Hello and welcome to Iconosass. I haven't done an episode in a little while and I wanted to kind of share some positive news that I've come across because I think it's always a good time to be sharing positive news as opposed to all of the scary bullshit that is happening around us. So I have a few articles I kind of want to talk about today and kind of leave on a positive note. So I've been crazy busy lately in a really good way. And that's the reason I haven't been able to do a podcast. Uh, Last month, I helped organize the blockchain training conference, which was a conference where people could get certified as a certified Bitcoin professional and learn about blockchain technology from a from anywhere from a beginner level all the way up to a more developer expert level and that event I'm happy to say went super well I'm really I really love event planning it's one of the things that I do in my kind of freelance umbrella and I think it turned out really great. I got to meet a lot of really interesting people, and everyone seemed really excited and enthusiastic about the future of um, the conference even too. So, uh, so that went really well, and I got to spend a few days in Denver and Manitou Springs afterwards, uh, more so Manitou Springs. I was mostly working when I was in Denver, and I just really had a, a nice rebooting relaxing time just i i love seeing art and nature and if you've followed me on instagram that's where i post most of that like pretty kind of stuff so it was just a really great time i got to see uh, some friends uh Davi and Corinne, they've been on the podcast before. It was wonderful. And yeah, I came back to uh, the West Coast really renewed and ready to take on new projects. And yeah, so just personally, life has been really great. Um, It's been... Awesome kind of getting out of L.A. for a while again. I'm always going to be traveling. I am I have been officially telling people I'm here now, like I'm here, here, for real, for real. Um, instead of being, you know, my usual, oh, I'm still kind of nomadic. But I still am kind of nomadic. You're still going to see me pop up at random places at random times because that is just the nature of who I am. So uh, my next uh, adventure will be in Vegas and that should be pretty fun. I'll be going to the Life is Beautiful Festival, which I'm super stoked about. Oh my god. I haven't been to a festival in like years at this point, And I used to go to a lot of them. So I'm really excited to be doing that. Uh, and I'm going to get to see a bunch of really great music and comedy. And yeah, I'm super stoked. And I'm even more stoked for what I'm calling Liz October, which... Is in October. Obviously, it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm gonna see Lizzo a bunch of times too, and I'm so stoked. You guys may have noticed that she's blown up in the last several months, which, you know, I've been on that Lizzo forever. Just super happy for her success and super excited to see her a bunch of times because live music and dancing and art and all of that, it's just my happy place. So, really happy i'm getting back into that and you know being out here has been really helpful for that too so um so yeah personal things going pretty well and then as far as new stuff I'm just going to dive right in to uh, some of the good news stuff that's coming up. So some of you know that I do work with antiwar.com. I'm their office manager. I do some development work and stuff for them. And they just had a major victory against the FBI. And there's this article. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's by Kelly Vlahos. It's uh, the FBI must destroy memos calling antiwar.com a threat. And this is super good news. Some of you guys may or may not be familiar with antiwar.com's struggle with the FBI over the past several years. To give a little bit of background on what happened here, the day after 9-11, oh, by the way, this was the 9-11 week. Not really appropriate, probably, to say happy 9-11. But yeah, so 9-11 happened yesterday, and I mostly avoided the internet, which I think was a good choice. Uh, but this came out just this morning, and this is this is actually really good news, and this has to do with the aftermath of what happened with 9-11. So the day after, on September twelfth, two 2001, the founder of the site, Eric Harris, received a threatening email from a disgruntled reader saying, you know, we're going to hack this site, I'm going to share it on a bunch of forums, and, you know, the site is going down. And he considered this a pretty credible threat, and he forwarded it to the FBI's office in San Francisco and then didn't hear anything about it. There was no kind of follow-up. Come to find out, a few years later, in a heavily redacted memo, it was revealed that the FBI recharacterized this as a threat from antiwar.com and used it to justify surveilling them uh, specifically Justin Ramondo, who passed away back in June, and Eric Garris and other members of the staff of Antiwar.com. So they'd been under surveillance without knowing about it. Um, it was discovered probably around 2004, and it uh, they've been fighting this uh, surveillance in the courts um, for... Years now. Uh, they actually, uh, Justin and Eric sued the FBI in 2013, demanding that they turn over all of the memos and records it was keeping on the two men and the website. And um, it took until 2017 to win that case. They agreed to turn over all of the memos, uh, the FBI agreed to turn over all of the memos and settle their legal fees. Uh, but they were holding back two key memos. So this was to kind of get those released and uh, destroyed too. And just like, hey, you know, it's not okay to be surveilling a site just for their free speech. And this kind of goes into the broader free speech debate that I've gone into before on this podcast. You constantly see cries from mostly the right and the conservatives about censorship and oh my god like you know free speech is dead like these social platforms or you know stopping my free speech and all that and it's like you guys do realize censorship goes back like before uh you know milo yiannopoulos got kicked off twitter correct like we're all we all understand this so this is basically an example of that uh when you were anti-war or pro-peace back in 2001 following September 11th, you were seen as a fucking traitor. And I remember this. September 11th happened when I was in middle school. I remember it very clearly. I remember just about every aspect of that day. And I remember, you know, not knowing what the future was going to be and being very scared about war. And as I kind of grew into my own a couple years later – Antiwar.com became an invaluable source of foreign policy news that I was reading. I've been reading the site since I was, like, 15, and I realized, like, wow, like, this administration is doing horrible things overseas, so of all of the other administrations, but I became very active in anti-war and pro-peace measures, and where I come from, that was seen. I mean, I, I was basically, I've been being called a communist since I was, like, a child, so... That term <laughs> doesn't really have much of an effect on me anymore. Uh, it didn't really anyway uh, at the time. So, Because I knew that I was right. And I knew that no matter what administration is enacting these wars, it's the wrong fucking thing to be doing. There's not really such thing as a humanitarian war if you look at the outcome of wars and what happens to the people involved even when you try to go in and help people it's generally disastrous uh, because there's just no you can't you can't control the consequences there's all these unintended consequences and they're generally very violent and uh, later on tonight there's going to be a democratic debate. And I can assure you that, you know, war stuff is probably not going to be as prominent an issue as it should be. There are not a lot of very strong anti-war candidates in the democratic field, except for maybe Tulsi Gabbard. And her credibility comes from being part of the military surveillance state apparatus. So as far as like trustworthiness and stuff, I don't know. It's like, it's a real mixed bag. I'm not super impressed with anyone. You know, people who are into electoral politics, that's fine. You know, everyone has their people. Um, I'll be watching the debate later tonight. I don't know, I might do like a riff tracks with that uh, with some people. We'll just kind of see uh, because I just have to mock it when I see it. I I just can't stand any of these people and they, they just say nothing when they speak and they speak for so long and it just generally drives me crazy. But of course, I hate the current administration as much as any good leftist. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be watching anyway, seeing what these people have to say, which is, again, probably nothing, except for Andrew Yang, who is incredibly consistent. And if I had to be if like, if you were twisting my arm, and like, I had to choose one, I'd probably pick him. uh, Just because the UBI thing is interesting, and I don't even care how economically feasible it is. I just think if you give everyone ten grand, that would really drastically help their lives, uh, no matter who they are. So, <laughs> whatever. Maybe that's a shallow reason to like him. Whatever. I'm not. I'm not into voting. I'm not. I can't get excited about these people who want to be my um, mommies and daddies. It's really uncomfortable for me as a self sufficient adult person. But whatever, I'll be watching it anyway, and I might be commenting on it or live tweeting it or something like that. So, But yeah, so that is good news uh, for antiwar.com. Really, uh, you know, we we know that the spying and the surveillance is not really going to stop. That's what the FBI does is spy on people, but (laughs) it's just like... At least they have to destroy the memos or they, they're they saying the courts are ruling that. It's its more of like a setting precedent for what could, com- could come. So in that way, it's better than nothing. Hopefully they back off some. Again, that's not an expectation, but uh, it would be nice. So anyway, that is some super good news. Uh, let's see other other good news stuff that I've come across here. A lot of it's really not great news, especially when you dive into, like, the worst stuff. This article came out yesterday as well, which I found, uh, you know, very interesting, and it's something that I, I haven't been, I guess, as public about saying it as some people have, but it's something I've been observing for a very long time now as a person who occasionally dates men you know, I'm not fully not dating men. Well, I, I'm not really dating anyone right now, I guess, generally speaking. But as someone who, you know, has had experience dating men, it's just something you notice, uh, you know, when you're attracted to multiple types of people. And it's very clear that uh, so let I'm, I'm burying the lead here while going into this stuff. So this is an article called Lack of Economically Attractive Men to Blame for Marriage Decline, says a study. And this is something I think anyone who's been married could tell you, but it's not something that's really put out there, said out loud, because um, it turns out when when you bring this point up, men are very sensitive and they tend to do very violent things and lash out when they feel that their masculinity is threatened. And that's exactly what this economic condition is is a lack of any positive masculinity and a, basically, men have been out-competed economically. It doesn't really make sense for women and non-men to get married in traditional marriages anymore because there aren't really male breadwinners the way there used to be, and again, that was for uh, legal reasons, that women women, and other people were prohibited from entering certain workspaces on a legal level and very much on a social level. And now, continuing to this day, it's only on more of a social level. There are certain spaces that are much more hostile to non-men and women than other spaces. So that's while that still happens, the ability for people to gain a little more economic freedom— and access to jobs and access to capital, basically, has broadened the field of competition. And it turns out those people are far out competing the people who were kind of used to that economically privileged position, which are men. And US marriage rates have now reached a hundred and fifty-year low. And if you know me, you know I think this is awesome news. Everyone's like panicking about it. Like it's like, oh my God, what people aren't gonna be getting married and if they're not getting married, maybe they're not gonna be reproducing. And if they're not gonna be reproducing, how are we gonna do all this stuff that we need to do? Well, I think reproduction is unnecessary and marriage even more unnecessary. In fact, it makes more sense to marry to marry for reproductive reasons than any other reasons maybe but even not really like again the legal benefits that you get and the kind of amount the amount of bullshit that you might have to put up with I don't know marriage is just becoming a relic of the past as it should be Uh, it's not something that really benefits a lot of people anymore in fact the few benefits you can get legally from it don't really outweigh the economic reality of what can happen when you get divorced especially in certain states like California. So yeah, this is this is an interesting study. So as it says researchers analyzed opposite sex couples comparing the incomes of potential male spouses with those of men who married women of similar demographics and found that men who haven't tied the knot earned 58% less than those who did get married. Now, what what do these terms mean? What factors make someone economically attractive? So their metrics for that are, according to the study, you must have a bachelor's degree or stable job making at least $40,000 a year those dream husbands were also 30% more likely to be employed and 19% more likely to have a college degree. Yeah, I mean, this is just what happens when people get out-competed. This is very, are there social reasons for this? Sure, uh, but if we're just going to look at the numbers, just economically speaking, the uh, competition has gotten harder. Men have to, they're, they're not just given these privileged Positions anymore. They actually have to work for the money that they're earning. They actually have to try harder because there's much more people competing for the same jobs, and that's actually a good thing. Now, I'm not a hyper-capitalistic type person. I'm just, I'm just looking at things from the raw data and the numbers. It's just a logical, like, yeah, you have more people entering a space, it's going to become more competitive you have to be better, you have to do better. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, what it does is it weeds out men who aren't going to compete and aren't going to try because they've they've just gotten used to being entitled and getting things with very little effort all of their lives. And what that does is It does lead to all of these other broader problems. For example, the incel problem, the mass shooting problem. These men feel disenfranchised from this life that they thought that they were going to be able to lead and just be given and didn't really have to work for. And they're realizing now it's a little harder. The game has changed. We don't live in the 1950s anymore. In 1960, 72% of adults in the U.S. were married. 72%. Now, even though more people are living together, because, fuck, rent's expensive, only 50% are married, and that's actually dropping off pretty significantly, and you're especially seeing in the millennial generation, uh, you're you're seeing a lot more ethical non-monogamy, you're seeing a lot more non-heterosexuality the norms have also shifted in a very positive way that's allowed a lot more personal and economic freedom. You know, it's, you're no longer expected, especially the generation coming up after the millennials, Generation Z, you no longer have these societal expectations that you have to get married or even be partnered. This is, you know, I, you guys know how much I love Lizzo, but Lizzo is a whole philosophy She's, I mean, she's obviously, it's great music too, but it's an entire mindset shift. It's a paradigm shift to use like a tech term that's just like super overused and terrible, but it is. It's a huge paradigm shift of being okay with being solo and single and self-sufficient and loving yourself, that kind of self-love. And I think that's deeply tied to these greater trends. You're seeing people have, higher self-esteem about themselves you're seeing their worth coming from within instead of of from another partner and i think this is so important for people to realize once you realize that you don't need a partner to complete yourself and you don't even need a partner to help pay your rent if you're crafty enough and resourceful enough and with all these other economic opportunities opening up for kind of savvy people like i i don't have just one job you know and i haven't for much of my working life, I've always had multiple, uh, you know, I guess hustles or whatever you want to call them coming in. I've always right now I'm piecing everything together through a bunch of part time work that allows me some creative flexibility. But you know, I do work my ass off. And I uh, I choose to live this lifestyle because of the flexibility it gives me and because, you know, I like changing it up. Like I, I understand that, you know, Workers aren't valued by corporations in a lot of ways. Like you, I, I can't count on a lifelong employment and where I'm going to get like nice benefits and then be able to retire with a pension and all of that. That's not really something that exists for this generation of people and even less so for the upcoming generations. So we're questioning things on multiple levels economically and socially. And gender plays a huge part of that. The people who are doing better that you're seeing uh, rises in income for are the people who were previously economically disadvantaged legally and socially. But because we've gained just a slight percentage more freedom, what we've done with that freedom is build better lives for ourselves and our communities away from what was originally considered to be successful and economically attractive. And, you know, all of these metrics-based kinds of things, it's like, oh, yeah, you get married, you buy a house, you start a family, you retire at a certain age. Like, that's – I am not knocking anyone who wants that lifestyle. That's a perfectly nice thing to want, you know? it's It sounds really, really nice, but it's not an economic reality we're really going to be living in. But that's a good thing because it means we're open up to – a lot of other opportunities, and we're seeing things change very slowly but very surely. And the work has already been put in to where a lot of this stuff is kind of on autopilot now. And what I mean by that is because of these advances, these civil rights advances, um, you know, economic advances, uh, just questioning, uh, you know, all of these norms that are kind of forced upon us. Um, the people who haven't been questioning that and haven't been putting that work in are totally bewildered by what's happening, but it's too late to stop it because the groundwork has already kind of been built. So what you're seeing instead is you're seeing pieces like this that are like, oh my God, people aren't getting married because men are too poor and pathetic and people don't want to marry them. Like, that's good. What eventually happens to those men who are redundant is they don't reproduce. They don't get married. They live probably okay lives and not everyone's entitled to a partner not everyone's entitled to marriage and passing on their genes and all of that and it's just a natural simple function of you know what happens under these circumstances it's nothing to be afraid of it's just you know the way things are just like people would say like back in the 50s you know this is just the way things are well people wanted to make a change and it's taken a long time and Now we're kind of seeing the fruits of that over it's been decades of pushing back against these certain norms and people basically going their own way and doing their own thing and living alternative lifestyles and stuff. But what you are seeing and something that I've talked about on this podcast, too, like in regards to Me Too specifically, is the backlash by these angry men and these incels. And I mean, I've literally been stalked by one of these people, and I've had horrible things said to me by like others, and it's it's like these men are angry. They're frustrated. They, they have this economic anxiety, which have, you know, a million think pieces have been written about, you know, the economic anxiety, which, I mean, I shit, I understand some economic anxiety, all right, but I don't go, you know, murdering a bunch of people Uh, Because I'm mad about, you know, my lack of sex life and my lack of economic opportunities and my lack of fucking personality. Because let's be real, these people are garbage. Um, It's not like, you know, you know, you're seeing some genius fucking Leonardo da Vinci like shooting up a, you know, school or like shooting up, you know, targeting women specifically. That's been the latest rash of mass shooters is they're all incels, which... I predicted a while back, um, and think that we're going to continue continue to see a lot more of these mass shootings because of these uh, maladapted uh, loser men. If you're familiar with my Jordan Peterson podcast series, uh, that's actually a term he uses. He calls them loser men, and he's actually right about that. He is he does touch on this in his own book, um, and he uses it as a kind of way to like get you to feel sympathetic, but I don't feel sympathy. These people have had their entire lives to be better and do better. Just like everyone else, they have to try a little bit harder. And if they're not going to, they're going to fall behind. And that's what's happening. So men have massively fallen behind because they haven't put in the effort. And now they're being left behind. And they should be. No one's entitled to anything. The world owes you nothing. And now women are dating other people getting with each other you're seeing um, so I I love the way that uh, (laughs) some of these think pieces paint like this statistic which you're seeing a lot more like higher rates of bisexuality and homosexuality in the millennial generation well higher rates I mean these rates have probably already existed there's just higher acceptance of being out now, like there's always been people who have been closeted and I think rates of bisexuality specifically are much, much higher than reported. It's just we live in a culture of repression and shame and, uh, you know, sex negativity that forces people to stay in those closets and, you know, marry these poor, boring ass heterosexual partners and try to live this heteronormative lifestyle. And uh, it just doesn't cut it anymore. People have experienced different things. People want different things out of their lives. And we're seeing things change in this drastically positive direction. We're not going to be seeing marriage in the same way that we saw it 50 years ago. And we shouldn't be in the same way that marriage in the 50s wasn't the same type of marriage that was 50 years before it. You know, we've moved away from a property-based idea of marriage to this, you know, more marriage for love thing. But even that had weird vestiges of property-based thinking about women specifically. And we're moving away from marriage as a concept entirely. Because you don't need that economic security if you can do things for yourself. Um, although, you know, hopefully the rent's correct soon because it's still, (laughs) I can, (laughs) living in a major city, you do especially kind of see like, it's hard, it is hard to live a solo lifestyle in a major city because the rent is too damn high always, but people do what they do and they will continue to do that and it will ultimately, um, a lot of, there's this concept of the redundant male, like a lot of redundant men are going to just not be much of an issue. And the ones who were redundant, actually, I think this is just my speculation, but I think if someone did a study on it there, I could have a study shows, you know, line about this, that those redundant men are the same ones who feel disenfranchised and are going to be prone to violence and this kind of bigger backlash. And um, they can lash out all they want. They can die mad because the future is going to look a lot different. And that's where I like to live. <laughs> that's where, I mean, yes, we live in a hellscape. The world is on fire. I don't know, like global warming is a thing and we're all probably going to die horrible, fiery deaths. Um, or, I don't know, Think we could figure out technological solutions to some of this stuff and stop, you know, the economic destruction that war causes, for example, and try to fix our shit, and maybe live in a much more interesting version of the future. And that's always where I try to be focused, to feel better, is a future so far ahead that we've solved climate change, and we've solved these kinds of problems. And that is extremely idealistic, and so I don't count on it as like a, oh, this is a thing that's going to happen. I don't like gear everything in my life towards like oh this is definitely gonna happen I have to fight for this but you know I do what I can and I you know I live a life where I question you know what the present reality is and daydream a lot about how it could be better because that's something that gives you hope and yeah so I just I wanted to make this kind of brief and kind of more of like a positive like hey there are, there's some hope out there, hopefully. <laughs> there's some hope out there and, you know, men are being left behind, redundant men who are, well, they were never going to be great people anyway. Like, we're not, lo- we're not missing out. Like, no one's missing out on marriages that are, like, healthy and wonderful and cool, like, with this, like, drop-off in economically attractive men. Like, no, no one's, yeah, you're just not missing out on this. And I did a whole longer podcast about this a couple years ago, too, that really goes into this much more, uh, it's become uh, much more, I guess, the term would be, it's like hi- hyper patriarchy. This is, this is already happening in places like China and India, where you see w- huger percentages of these kind of redundant males and... I mean, it is it is shitty on a social level because of the backlash against women and non-men specifically because it's always against the people who are succeeding in the face of difficulties and not making excuses for themselves and crying about how they can't get laid and, you know, my PP this, and my PP that and, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, like, we're we're seeing things shift and this is awesome news. And so is the news about antiwar.com. And those are my two good news items to share. And I'm going to be trying to do kind of more positive podcasts about things that I find are actually good news, even though counterintuitively they might not seem like they are. Again, this is like a, a worried piece. This is a piece that's like, oh my God, like, but it's true. And it's something a lot of people have been making the point about for a long time and i guess mainstream society is kind of catching up to it so yes i'll be watching the debate tonight catch me on twitter maybe talking about that and yeah and just we'll be doing more kind of shorter podcasts here and there i've been trying to record a little bit of music stuff too which i'm very nervous to put out there um Even though I really like making music, I'm also super nervous. Super nervous about it. (laughs) But I don't know. I might might do it anyway because, you know, I got to stop being afraid of everything. Or not everything. It's not that I'm afraid of everything. I'm just afraid of people judging my singing. So... So yeah, I wanted to get a podcast out for uh, this month, and then hopefully a few other shorter ones too, and just say I have not disappeared, I just got very, very bogged down for a second there, just uh, working on some projects, Um, but ultimately it's been, it's all been really good work, and I'm really happy to have the capacity to be able to be working so much, because certain... Points, especially you know, like a year ago, I was still having a hard time, like getting on my feet with things, and so it really feels good to have the capacity to be able to be doing so much work, and uh, you know, it does does bring me a lot of happiness. So that is my uh, happy podcast for the day. I will be coming up with another one at some point too, and hoping to have some guests on as well. So yeah. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to me on SoundCloud and Patreon and iTunes and Stitcher and Medium if you'd like to see more of my written work. I Oh, I forgot to share this piece of good news. I got accepted to a Medium publication called P.S. I Love You, and they've been publishing some of my pieces, and I'm really excited about that. It's kind of like one that I did not expect back to be writing for because I don't really I don't know I don't really write about a lot of love stuff it's kind of like it's a touchy topic for me I guess but I just said fuck it and started submitting some kind of more stuff that's a little close to my heart and yeah so you can check it out on there the the publication is p.s. I love you on medium and yeah there's some some poetry up there if you're more into the poetry side of things and yeah i've just been continuing to write a lot too and some of the stuff i i've, I've kind of shifted more into writing scripts and stuff too so that stuff isn't probably going to be as much on patreon and medium but uh hopefully elsewhere uh so yeah just kind of learning a new version of writing and a new style has been a huge challenge but I'm really liking it and it's like solving an equation. And so, yeah, that's the good news. And I will talk to you later. Um, 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 so on literally today, uh, not literally today, but you know what I mean? Uh, um, um, uh, and, you know, hopefully, um, uh, um, uh, you know, um, with those of men who merit, and, uh i uh, what you know fuck rent's expensive an approach of you know i uh, you know um um i uh, uh um i uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, um, um.